The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Support for this show comes from InterVarsity Press and their new book, True Companions by Kelly Flanagan. The book explores how we can enjoy the deeply satisfying transformational love of companionship. Kelly Flanagan is an author, psychologist, and she shows us how to use self-knowledge to help us explore love more vulnerably. Learn more and get a copy of True Companions at ivpress.com. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Our guest today, Kevin Anderson, is a psychotherapist, writer, and creator of The Nested Meditation Form. His first book, Divinity in Disguise, was named one of the best spiritual books of 2003 by Spirituality and Health Magazine, and his essay, Healing Relationships with Holy Breath Listening, appears in the magazine's November-December issue of this year. His newest book is Now is Where God Lives, a year of nested meditation to delight the mind and awaken the soul. Kevin Anderson, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you, Rabbi Rami. It's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to this. I read actually two of your books. I'll just plug the other title, uh, The Inconceivable Surprise of Living, Sustaining Wisdom for Spiritual Beings Trying to Be Human. Just so listeners know, it's a series of fascinating quotes from equally fascinating people, spiritual teachers, and then Dr. Anderson's uh, unpacking of those on those quotes. It's a, both books are really good, but the book we're talking about is Now is Where God Lives, A Year of Nested Meditation to Delight the Mind and Awaken the Soul. So, Kevin, you and I are both... Well, we're both wordsmiths, we're both authors, and I assume we both recognize that the title of a book is the way an author makes a first impression. So I want to dive into the title before we get into the content. So again, the title is Now is Where God Lives, A Year of Nested Meditation to Delight the Mind and Awaken the Soul. Four words grab my attention. You know, the first one is God, nested meditation, mind and soul. I'm going to put nested meditation aside because that's what I want to spend the bulk of our time on. I'm sure I'm interested, and I'm sure other people are interested, what you mean when you use the word God, uh, mind, the words God, mind, and soul. Well, I'll start with God, that I'm mainly trying to shake up uh, my sense that I know what I mean when I use 
uh, that name. And one of the pieces in the book actually kind of addresses that. Maybe I could just jump into that. Before you actually read it, let's just let readers know there's a pattern to these uh, meditations. That's part of the process. We'll get into the process a little bit later. So don't you know, don't get hung up on, on the way it's formed. That's for a yeah. reason. Building, building a repetition and, and building. So the name God makes you think. The name God makes you think you know what you're talking about. The name God makes you think you know. What you're talking about is that which surpasses all knowing. The name God makes you think you know what you're talking about. Is that which surpasses all knowing to be spoken of with such certitude? So maybe that's the place we can, what, what do I mean by God? I'm trying to kind of let go of everything I mean by God in that piece. That God is beyond knowing, you know. So when a reader or a potential book buyer sees this, you know, now is where God lives. I mean, you're, you're offering a pretty sophisticated understanding of God. Uh, I'm hoping to. Probably. Yeah, probably there. Well, you're trying to, it sounds to me like you're trying to deconstruct the word God um, yeah. and not actually passing on a, you know, uh, trying to, to pass on a theological position. I'm sure people who get the, who buy the book or who see the cover, they've got some idea of God that you're going to deconstruct if they get all the way to April uh, 20th when that, where that poem appears. Yeah. Well, one of the pieces, sometimes I take words from some of these sages uh, and see if I can fit them into this form that we're going to talk about. And one of them uses Meister Eckhart's words, I pray to God to rid me of God, which really shakes some people up. But he's really getting at our ideas of God get in the way of the really big energies of God, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, the word's loaded. From what I'm understanding is you're basically deconstructing the word for people. You don't want people to have a fixed notion of, of what God is because that's going to close down their thinking. What is that true with mind and soul as well? Well, I don't think I, I mean, there are pieces that deal with mind and soul in the book. I think the subtitle is just to say these pieces are meant to delight your mind, to bring a smile, to bring a surprise and open up a certain soulfulness, a certain depth. Um, oh, okay. So that so so soul. When when you use the word soul, we're really talking about depth. Sure. That, that, that's what that's what I'm getting at. So you don't, you don't have in your head that people, or maybe you do, but that people have a um, an eternal soul that uh, they need to be worried about. Yeah, I I don't know. I leave that that question probably open as well. I I, I try to live in the cloud of unknowing to <laughs> use a a well-known book title, but... Um, yeah, well, okay. I mean, that makes sense. That's that's fair enough. I mean, it's hard to write a, a title for your book from the cloud of unknowing, because all you can say yeah. is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and that, that isn't going to sell a lot of books. So so let's, let's go past the language here and get into the process, because that's really what the book demonstrates. And I, and I think in addition to whatever it is people will get from your writing... Uh, my understanding going through the book was that you were trying to get me to learn the practice and, and do it on my own. Um, yeah. So as a, as a person who does a number of daily spiritual practices, I'm intrigued by your concept of nested meditations. And you mentioned the word in the very beginning, but it went by pretty, pretty quickly. This is, I'm just going to read a phrase from the book. What you, you talk about repetitive poetic reflections that use the lightness of wordplay 
to achieve a surprising emergence of deeper awareness. A lot of meat there. Let me read it again. Repetitive poetic reflections. And you're going to hear that when you hear his poems. Repetitive, and of course, I'm repeating it, right? Repetitive poetic reflections that use the lightness of wordplay. So the words aren't fixed. They're all fluid to achieve a surprising emergence of deeper awareness. How surprising? I mean, this is really from your, and I don't want you to define the term for me, but from your unconscious that just sort of pop up? Well, I, I'm not a big Freudian in terms of, of speaking of the unconscious that much, uh, but I would say it comes from a playful approach to words. Uh, it comes from trying to get off of habitual thoughts and habitual uh, patterns and see if if I can kind of jump the groove and end up somewhere I didn't even know I was going. Yeah, right. So un- the, the unexpected, it's, it's not like you're sitting there going, ah, man, what is the right word for this? It's, it's this playfulness where yeah. you, the writer, may be as surprised as the reader as you work through it. G- give us a couple examples from the book that help the reader understand how this sounds. Yeah, well, I think this is a little unusual, but I want to read one and kind of talk about it as I read it to to talk about the process of what it's like to write one of these. Great. That's fantastic. But just read it for us through once and then go ahead and unpack it. Okay. I want to leave this world awake. I want to leave this world awake of love behind the speedboat of my years. I want to leave this world awake of love. Behind the speedboat of my years, waves are rolling out wide and far. I want to leave this world awake of love. Behind the speedboat of my years, waves are rolling out wide. And farther back, the water is glass again. Great. So let's unpack that. How did, how did, how does someone, how does this reflect the process of nested meditation? Well, the first thing is that I consider these kind of a a playful form of cognitive therapy, which is quite big in my field, that if we want to deal with some emotion or some kind of stuck place we're in, we need to look at our thoughts and see if we can move them. But straight up logical, like I got a maladaptive thought, how do I change it? I got to fix this versus can I play my way there? Can I let wordplay take me somewhere? And so if I can tell just briefly, this particular, the first line, I want to leave this world awake, came at five in the morning. Uh, I got up, it was the day before my daughter's wedding, but it was the morning after a four hour meeting with my whole family about my mother having cancer and whether we should do chemotherapy because she already was dying of dementia. And so I'm just sitting in this meeting the day before, like, this is too much, wedding, death, cancer. So I wake up early and I just open my journal and I get this one line, I wanna leave this world awake. And I'm thinking of my mother, like maybe maybe it'll be a blessing if she dies sooner and actually knows us instead of losing her into that fog of dementia. But I'm also thinking, I I don't want to get dementia. I want to leave this world awake. So if I went with my logical mind and said, well, what's the, what am I writing about? Death, dementia? I would try to think my way to the next line. But when I just look at the word awake, say, I wonder where, I, where can that take me? So I split it into awake. And I remember when I wrote it, I'm like, am I talking about a funeral? What is this? I thought, no, let's go with a wake behind a boat. 
I want to leave this world awake of love, what, behind the speedboat of my years. And already something is shifting for me. The energy is uh, shifting. Like I'm on a speedboat. I'm, I'm, I'm water skiing maybe. And, you know, the speedboat of my years, like, yeah, it goes pretty fast. But And then the piece ends with uh, waves are rolling out wide and far. And then you just put a hyphen and farther back. The water is glass again. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the way it is. Like, we come into the world, we stir it up for 80 years like a like a boat engine. And then 100 years later, it's like glass. It's like if there's anybody that even knows you lived, you probably count yourself lucky. But something about the process of going from just, ah, that meeting yesterday was heavy, to playing with words is therapeutic. Uh, at least I find it that way. So, so I want to ask you about why is that therapeutic? But before I do that, so you had this meeting, family meeting about your mom, and then you're preparing for your daughter's wedding. Mm-hmm. So you're at this odd cusp of two, you know, powerful existential life moments. When you wrote the poem or when you, did the the nested meditation what if you can remember what shifted in if you can remember like how your body was before when you just woke up and how your body was afterwards do you have any memory of that i mean what what actually shifted in you physically if anything i think there was a down energy there was an overloaded energy and, and a fearful energy like this is too much wedding and and meetings about chemo and this is heavy uh and am i could i get dementia and just all of that what i call small self kind of stuff and in a few lines of just playing i seem to get to a more peaceful place of yeah i want to leave the world awake of love behind this like it it just brought me into the larger self Mm. Uh, of acceptance that here's here's what essentially what life is about and then the water is glassed again let me just take a moment and remind you that support for this episode of essential conversations comes from intervarsity press their new book true companions by kelly flanagan explores how you can enjoy the deeply satisfying and transformational love of companionship You can learn more and get your copy of True Companions at ivpress.com. As I was reading these, I I mean, not every time, but often I got uh, a softening of a physical softening and an emotional and maybe mental intellectual lightening, if that makes any sense. Just yeah. reading, reading yours, not even doing it myself, just, just reading what you wrote, that I think, uh, and, uh, and this is a question, but I'm making it a statement, uh, to what extent is this true <laughs> when I say, I think that people can actually feel these in their body um, as this playfulness cracks the heaviness of their, their situation. Have, you, have other people told you that? Yeah, I think, I mean, people have told me, I mean, this book is set up as one per day, but people just keep plowing through them. They're like, 
uh, Cracker Jack boxes in a way that each one has twists and turns in it and surprises. So people want to go on and, and be surprised, you know, by the, the form is that you use the exact same words and letters. You don't change anything and you try to get it to move by adding the next line. And there's a number of tricks and ways that I do that or tools, but it's like, I thought it was already done. I thought, uh, you know, that, that that's the end, but no, it just shifted. What happened? You know, in fact, there's one that that's kind of fun that way that just starts with these words are light. And I thought, well, what if I hyphenate light and what could I get? Lightning, like lightning storm or light, no, lightning bug. These words are lightning bugs that blink in my mind and some I catch, but some get away. And then in the, I won't read the whole repetitive thing, but in the last repetition, it's some I catch, but some get a way brighter glow than I can capture on paper. <laughs> Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, that that's the thing about these. And that that's where people who love language are going to love not just reading what you did, but doing it themselves. And, and I'm going to ask you a little bit later to, to really outline the process so people get the idea. But, but I want to talk to you about another image that I had when I was reading through these. I got the sense that each of these, even though you're adding, I got the sense that each of these is like an onion. Ah. And each verse is you're peeling it away to reveal another skin underneath. And this is this is a playful thing to do. And it's all within the world of language. Now, I have a lot of spiritual teachers who will say, you gotta, you know, silence the, the language, silence the mind. This is this is all e ego stuff. But I don't, I'm not gonna go there. I think that while language can be a prison playing with it the way you're playing with it unlocks the prison door, if you like, without getting rid of language. I think it's very difficult for people to spend any time without words. It doesn't mean written, but I mean in your head. You get That's how you process. So we've got this language. You can try to shut it up, but I don't think it works so well for most people. Yeah. What you do, and I hope I have the right martial art in mind when I say this, I get the sense that you're performing a kind of Aikido on language. You know, in Aikido, in, in karate, a person punches, you block it with equal or greater forcing, you punch back, and the bigger, stronger person wins. In Aikido, you move with the, in the direction of your opponent, your partner. So if they're pushing you, you just yield to that 
and then use their energy to flip them over and bring them onto the floor. That's how I read these things, that you're using the energy of language to allow language to reveal something it didn't intend to reveal. And yes. so that you see this in a, in a similar way. Very much so. I mean, just just word, the fascination of language that a word like run in the English language has about 80 meanings. When your refrigerator runs, your nose runs, you can run for office, you can run a business. So uh, just to, to look at words fresh and say, well, I, I, I know the groove I'm in, what that word means is, but what if I let it mean something else? Yeah, you, you skipped my favorite one. You've got the runs. <laughs> well, that, that may be the 81st definition. <laughs> but, you know, a, a brief example in the book, uh, it starts with just, I picked you, and then I picked you to be my wife. And then the third line is, I, I picked you to be my wife, and I didn't know you, which I think the idea is that each stanza is kind of its own separate meditation. So you use the on, onion image, but I a nested uh Nested meditation really refers to nesting dolls, really, that each one fits in the one after it, like a like nesting dolls. But that the final version of that, I picked you to be my wife, and I didn't know you were a wildflower. So it, it, the third stanza is, I didn't know you, which is kind of a truth about how much do we really know when we say, I'll, I'll go through life with you. But then I didn't know you were a wildflower. Then you go back to the first line, I picked you. Whoa, now that has a different feel to it, you know? So it, it it's, uh, some of them have a, what I call a circular quality where once you get to the final verse, the earlier ones look different like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you, you, nested is building them out. And, and my, my thought was the onion is bringing them the other way. So yeah, but I think I think it works in in either way because because yeah. eventually because all of it seems to me and this is your these are your words is play and you write in the the poem uh, or the nested meditation that's dated June fourth you say that play is wisdom's portal so this one really caught me for two reasons one I love the use of the word play I think that people are I don't know what the word is uh, I know there's the word homo ludens but I, you know that we, we are the playing animal in a sense. We, we, but we're not the only ones. Chimps play. Lots of animals play. So play is essential to who we are. But play is wisdom's portal. And I'm wondering if you could unpack that for us. Is play the portal to wisdom? Is play the way wisdom gets beyond wisdom? It's a portal to something beyond wisdom? Or am I simply overthinking this because you end up <laughs> Because you end up with the idea that the way you talk about the hummingbird of hope. And I went, huh? <laughs> that's, not, that's not where I was going to go. So what's what's your sense of play in wisdom's portal? Well, first of all, like, you know, when you start with a line like that, I have no idea the fourth line is going to have a hummingbird. And many of these I've written, I've written up to 40 versions of, of one of these trying to, the play takes you in so many directions that at some point you have to say stop that's enough play but uh what i think i mean is that play has a way of shutting down the adult mind um and the, the, the solution trying to find solutions and logically figure everything out 
and just says, let, let go, let me be led by something playful. And um, I find that surprising stuff comes in to that space. I, mean, I was raised Christian, and there's a famous saying, um, you know, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the, enter the kingdom. So to me, it's, it's just putting on a childlike uh, kind of uh, energy. And, and uh, actually, there's kind of an, an awe or a, uh, an openness that comes with that. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I'm wondering what you think, how, how difficult is this? Uh, in normal times, but but in in what is now the new normal of of COVID nineteen, where where play just doesn't seem to be as natural to people, at least not the people I'm running into. Um, is, is play yeah. more necessary now? Is this, in a sense, this kind of work which you can do on your own? You don't need you know to to be with others. You can do this uh, in your home. Is play more essential now than ever? Given What's going on in people's lives? Well, I think anything that grounds us, uh, I find sitting in nature is crucial now. And I think, yeah, certainly play uh, anything that reminds us that life is inherently good uh, and worth living. Uh, I will say that this form very much in me comes from having been raised by a father who was playing with words all the time. But his form was puns. And most people think punning is a very low form of humor. But he... Uh, I, I was pickled in this sense that you're always playing with words. What surprised me is that you could use that kind of playfulness, not just to be goofy, but to deepen something. Like, in fact, I wrote one of these back in the late 90s, and I thought, well, that's a weird poem. I guess I don't, I never wrote anything like that. And it just sat there for three years. And then I wondered, is that a form? Could I write more things like that? And I've written over a thousand of them by now, and I'm just, uh, fascinated that playfulness with words and even a lightness with the mind can lead me to a deeper place. Uh, much like you said, there's a lightness uh, of the mind, but a softening or a deepening. Um, so, yeah, so that's a good segue into how to do it. So, without going into such detail that that you know, we're going to lose people, but what what are the basic rules, if I can use the term in, in this context, what, what are the basic ways of, of actually doing your own nested meditation? Because I hope people are interested enough listening to you and listening to some examples to go ahead and try this themselves. Well, I get a lot of these sent to me since I have two books uh, uh, that I created this form and I've got these out there. And what people tend to do is they don't want to stay with the form. They, they want to kind of pick new words when they do the next stanza because it, it gets too hard to play with the words that are already there. So uh, Robert Frost, I think, pretty famously said that he thought that free verse, you know, poetry with no meter is like playing tennis with a net down, and that he didn't believe in it, you know. He wanted a structure. Well, I write a lot of free verse, but this uh, form has a structure, which is Keep the words exactly the same as you go to the next line. Don't change anything except maybe punctuation, put a hyphen, put two words together, or take a word apart. But it's like pulling a rabbit out of a hat when you, whoa, how did I get to a different place with exactly the same words that I used in the last line? If you change the words and just, you know, um, rearrange the sentence, 
it's like pulling a rabbit out of a rabbit cage. It's still interesting, but it's not as surprising. Um, so, um, you know, how to do it, I would say we need a good kind of starter line. I actually worked with a patient today uh, in my psychotherapy practice. We actually wrote one together right in the session. And they're not that hard once you get a feel for them. She was struggling with a, a wound of feeling invalidated, like I'm never good enough. This is a very common kind of wound. And I just said, how about if we start with I'm an invalid? Because I knew that invalid would get me too invalidated, you know, if I just hyphenated it. So you start with one line and then you say, what can I do to move on? So we, we got to I'm an invalidated woman. So and then we added getting to know myself and then shifted in the last getting to know myself is one with the great self. So in a couple lines, we but, you know. Uh, I don't want to go too much into the technicalities of how to how to do the tricks. I think what helps is just to study the form uh, and try it out and and try to stick with the structure of the form. And, and that forces you to play with the words. Yeah, I think that's important that people get that, that you stick with the structure, because that's really what's going to trigger the, the deeper play. So we're just about out of time, Kevin. I'd love to have you close us out with one more of your nested meditations sure i'd like to maybe read one rami that's another surprisingly common uh, issue that people bring to therapists like me but it's also one that i've worked with in my own life and this particular piece is kind of near and dear to me because i it really helped me i return to it quite often Uh, it helped me get movement Uh, and so this starts this way I live with self-doubt. I live with self-doubt no more. I live with self-doubt no more than a lone pine tree doing its evergreen thing. I live with self-doubt no more than a lone pine tree doing its evergreen thing in a deciduous forest. And that piece just tells me, don't try to conquer self-doubt. We never conquer the small self. We, I don't even think Jesus or Buddha or any of the people we talk about, the greats, you know, they don't conquer the small self. I'm not going to conquer my self-doubt. But what if I can go ahead and be who I am, my best self, anyway? What if I don't have to look, hey, everybody else is losing their leaves. What am I doing? Why am I not losing my leaves? Maybe I can just be my evergreen self. Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, that, that piece makes me chuckle, even though I wrote it, and it also helped <laughs> me at a deeper level. <laughs> well, I, that, I think that's important. I mean, it, the fact that you wrote it, uh, I'm not sure. It, meaning, it, if, if it's true play, it comes from maybe something greater uh, than that egoic self. But uh, the fact that you. it, it yeah. makes you chuckle is a way, I think, of returning you to the, the little moment of enlightenment that it carried. So that that's a great way to end. Uh, our guest today, Kevin Anderson, is a psychotherapist and writer and creator of the Nested Meditation Form. His newest book is Now is Where God Lives, a year of nested meditation to delight the mind and awaken the soul. And his essay, Healing Relationships with Holy Breath Listening, appears in the November-December issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about his work 
at thewingedlife.com. Kevin Anderson, thank you so much for talking with us on Essential Conversations. Thank you, Rami. It was a delight to be with you. Really great talking with you, Kevin. Thanks. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. If you like Essential Conversations, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app. You can also follow me on Spirituality and Health's website, where I now write a regular column called Roadside Musings. And don't forget to subscribe to the print magazine as well. Support for this show comes from InterVarsity Press and their new book, True Companions by Kelly Flanagan. The book explores how we can enjoy the deeply satisfying transformational love of companionship. Kelly Flanagan is an author, psychologist, and she shows us how to use self-knowledge to help us explore love more vulnerably. Learn more and get a copy of True Companions at ivpress.com. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker Truppiano, and our executive producer is Catherine Drury-Wagner. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.